Vampires have been a part of folklore for centuries. Perhaps no mythical vampire is more famous than that of Count Dracula. While Count Dracula might be fictional, believe it or not, he was based and named on a real person who lived in 15th century Romania. While he might not have been a vampire, he was still plenty deadly. Learn more about Vlad the Impaler, also known as Vlad Dracula, on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. The classical interpretation of Dracula involves a whole bunch of things. He sleeps in coffins, only comes out at night, has a weakness for garlic and crosses, can't see himself in a mirror, and of course, drinks other people's blood. None of this really has anything to do with the historic Dracula, however. The real Dracula was named Vlad III, or Vlad Dracula, who was the second son of Vlad Dracul. The word Dracul meant dragon in medieval Romanian, and he got the name when he was initiated into the Order of the Dragon, which was a chivalric order. Draculia, or Dracula, just means son of the dragon. In modern Romanian, Dracul has come to mean a word for the devil. His father, Vlad Dracul, was the ruler of Wallachia. It was situated in modern-day Romania, and was located north of the Danube River and south of the Carpathian Mountains. In the mid-15th century, it was sandwiched between a rock and a hard place. The rock was known as the Ottoman Empire, and the hard place was known as the Kingdom of Hungary. Vlad and his brother Radu both grew up in the Ottoman Empire, held hostage there by the Ottoman Turks. 
Vlad's father and eldest brother were killed when forces backed by the Kingdom of Hungary invaded Wallachia and installed his cousin Vladislav II on the throne. In 1448, Vlad then struck back with the support of the Ottomans, and he took control of Wallachia, taking his first turn as ruler there. It didn't last long, however, as Vladislav came back and pushed Vlad out, back into Ottoman territory, and then he was in exile for eight years. In 1456, Vlad returned to Wallachia, this time with the backing of Hungary, and Vladislav was killed in the invasion, and Vlad became the ruler for a second time. It was during his second reign where Vlad developed his reputation and his taste for killing people. He began his reign by enacting revenge against the boyars, who were the aristocracy in the region. Many of the boyars plotted against his father and his brother to have them killed. He held a banquet for the boyars and had everyone killed at the banquet in his own version of the Treachery of the Long Knives. Estimates are in the hundreds to thousands for this first round of killings. He then had a falling out with the Saxons who lived in Wallachia. The Saxons were German migrants who had moved to the region centuries earlier. He impaled or burned alive many Saxon merchants and their entire families. And here I need to take a moment to talk about the thing which gave Vlad his nickname, impalement. Impalement is not a nice way to die. In a nutshell, impalement basically is putting someone on a vertical pole with the pole up their bum. They are placed such that they can't get themselves off the pole because their feet are barely touching or not at all touching the ground. Death could take several days as the pole keeps going further and further into the victim's body. And no, the pole is not necessarily pointed. It was so bad that it was considered too cruel even by the standards of the Middle Ages. People considered crucifixion to be a more humane form of execution, and crucifixion is a pretty horrible form of execution. But back to the subject of Vlad. Vlad didn't have much love for the Ottomans, having been held hostage by them when he was younger. When Ottoman envoys refused to take off their turbans in his presence, he had the turbans nailed to their head. He began military campaigns against the Ottomans in regions south of Wallachia. It turns out his previous impalings were just a warm-up. A Greek historian by the name of Leonikos Kalkakondidis, who was a contemporary of the period, said, quote, The Sultan's army entered into the area of the impalements, which was 17 stadies long and 7 stadies wide. There were large stakes there on which, as it was said, about 20,000 men, women, and children had been spitted, quite a sight for the Turks and for the Sultan himself. The sultan was seized with amazement and said that it was not possible to deprive of his country a man who had done such great deeds, who had such a diabolical understanding of how to govern his realm and his people. And he said that a man who had done such things was worth much. The rest of the Turks were dumbfounded when they saw the multitude of men on the stakes. There were infants, too, affixed to their mothers on the stakes, and birds had made their nests in their entrails. End quote. This scene of a forest of people being impaled was repeated several times. His victories against the Ottomans received praise throughout Christian Europe, but his reputation for victory was soon overshadowed by his reputation for cruelty. In addition to impaling tens of thousands of people, he also supposedly had banquets in the middle of his forest of impalements, and the rumor was he would dip his bread in the blood of his victims. It has been estimated that he may have killed up to 80,000 people a large number of which were killed via impalement. Vlad was later removed from power, imprisoned, and came back to power briefly before being killed, and his severed head being sent to the Ottoman Sultan. So, the story of Vlad Dracula, or Vlad the Impaler, is an interesting one, but it's a far cry from the modern-day depiction of Dracula. 
How did one medieval psychopath end up as a vampire hundreds of years later? Well, that had everything to do with Bram Stoker, the author of the novel Dracula that was published in 1897. The character of Count Dracula was a mishmash of history and folklore, as well as some of Bram Stoker's own inventions. The character name obviously came from Vlad Dracula, in addition to the location of Transylvania, which is where Vlad was born. Another person who may have been a source of inspiration was a woman by the name of Elizabeth Bathory. She was a noblewoman of the late 16th and early 17th century in Hungary who was a serial killer. She may have killed between 80 and 650 people and may have taken baths in their blood, and I am absolutely going to do an episode on her in the future. Vampires actually come from European folklore. There were undead creatures who fed on the life essence of the living, usually in the form of blood. Stoker took all of these elements, added much of his own, and created the character of Count Dracula. The image we have of Count Dracula today mostly comes from the 1931 film Dracula, where the title character was played by the Hungarian-American actor Bela Lugosi. Since then, there have been dozens and dozens of representations of Count Dracula in movies, TV, stage productions, books, serial boxes, and Sesame Street. The fictional Count Dracula has received a great deal of attention in popular culture, whereas the real-life Vlad Dracula has received very little. There hasn't been a single major motion picture or TV series focusing on the life of Vlad Dracula. The actual legacy of Vlad Dracula is surprisingly mixed. History has judged him to be cruel and evil, and that's why he has the nickname The Impaler. However, there are still some that think Vlad is a hero. He fought against and had victories against the Ottoman Turks when they were on the ascendant throughout Europe. And they're willing to overlook a couple of tens of thousands of impalings. I'll close by noting that if you visit Sigishwire, Romania, you can view in person the only known painting of Vlad Dracul, the father of Vlad the Impaler, in Casa Vlad Dracul. Today, it's a restaurant, but it's also believed to have been the birthplace of Vlad Dracula. I got to visit it several years ago, and it was a really interesting experience. So in summary, there was a real Dracula, and he was in many ways far more horrible of a person than the fictional Dracula. However, the Transylvanian vampire that we know today bears little resemblance to the 15th century madman who preferred to kill his victims by putting them on spikes rather than biting them in the neck. The associate producers of Everything Everywhere Daily are Thor Thompson and Peter Bennett. Today's review comes from listener Display Name Here Now over at Apple Podcasts. They write, Excellent. This is a terrific podcast for people who are curious about the world around them. If you like to know the details behind things, I can't recommend it enough. The episodes are bite-sized, and the host makes everything entertaining. Thank you very much, Display Name Here Now. I'm glad to know that people enjoy the show format. Remember, if you leave a review or send in a question, you too can have it read on the show.